to us. I thank you that you've, you've placed specific things on his heart for us, Lord. And I, I pray and make, make our ears attentive, Lord. May it not just be a, 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 a listening, but it must, let it be a listening of the heart, even this morning. We want to we wanna be in, in line of what you want to say. God, if we need to readjust, we want to readjust, Jesus. But we, we, we want to be soft-hearted this morning. And say yes to whatever you are speaking to us this morning in Jesus' name. Amen. Good morning, everyone. Uh, so what we're going to do this morning um, is, as a church, over the last while, I know there's been um, a journey through the book of Acts. And I know many of you have been reading Acts. Um, I know um, we've been traveling quite a bit, so we've been here once a month or so. But also in our family, we've been trying to read through Acts and look at it together as a family, but I think as we look through Acts and a number of things, something the Lord laid on my heart as I was praying about what to share with you this morning, and um, what I want to do is I'd like to, us to look at it in the book of Acts in a chapter in chapter 4, and I want to highlight a specific individual this morning for us to look at, and I want to hopefully tie this in even into what the Lord has spoken about in the worship, and it's been a very powerful morning. Um, I know personally, you know, it's, isn't it wonderful when God convicts you of something, when he points out something that you realize, ah, oh, Lord, you know, it's like God disciplines those he loves. And I know when the Lord cuts me, I know it's like, Lord, you love me. You love me enough to, to pinpoint areas in my life that you actually want me to change and you want me to grow and you want me to become a person that is um, reflecting your son, Jesus. Isn't that a wonderful thing? Isn't it wonderful that God doesn't just leave us and he just says, don't worry, you're awesome, you don't have to change. You know, we, we're under a project uh, of salvation that God has begun a project. The day you get saved, God begins this project where he's shaping us into the image of Jesus. Isn't that wonderful? And when he returns again or when we die, whatever happens first, that project will be completed where we'll be finally and fully, well, when he returns, actually, we'll become like him. And I know that we're all along the journey. You know, it's a bit like when you're driving a car and, and you're driving on the road and the road is under construction. You know, you've seen those signs, under construction. I feel like that when I'm driving and I, and I look at that sign, under construction, and I look at my own life, and I have those signs all over on the road, you know, under construction. Because we works in progress, aren't we? And that's why we need the Lord to highlight and to pinpoint those things in our lives of like, God, you love me, and thank you for convicting me. Thank you for helping me to repent. Um, I think when we stop repenting, then it's a, it's a very dangerous place. If you, if, you stop, if you stop repenting and asking God to forgive you, you're in a very dangerous place. Because that means you think you're fine. And you don't need forgiveness. Um, and you don't need change. Uh, we are under construction. Amen. So what I'd like to do is I'd like to look at an individual in Acts, and this individual, you know, the wonderful thing with the Bible, I love with the Word of God, and one of the things I love about the Word of God is that the, the Word of God highlights individuals for us as examples in the faith, um, ordinary men and women that are examples of grace and how God is dealing with them, and in the book of Acts, there's one individual, there's a number of people that get highlighted in the book of Acts um, that God does that for a reason. You know, God doesn't just mention people for no reason. He does it always intentionally because there's things that we can learn from them. We can learn from their mistakes. We can learn from their sins. But we can also learn from their faith. And one individual is the man Barnabas. 
that I want to look at this morning. And I want to preach and just share with you just a short word about the ministry of an encourager. And um, the ministry of an encourager. And I want us to look at Barnabas as an example, and he gets highlighted to us. And I want us to look specifically at Acts 4, and then I want to unpack just one story in Barnabas's life, or just a scripture actually dealing with Barnabas. It's not a story, but it's a, a, a section dealing with him, and then applying it into our lives today of how do we walk in the ministry of encouragement for each one of us, how we can learn how to encourage one another, sharpen one another in the faith. So let's look at Acts 4, verse 34 to 37, and here we get introduced in Acts to this, this man, Barnabas. Barnabas. I don't know the Afrikaans word for Barnabas. I think it's Barnabas. It just sounds right when I say it like that. I just put on the Afrikaans accent. All right. <laughs> so let's read it. It says in verse 34, There was not a needy person among them, for as many as were owners of lands or houses sold them and brought the proceeds of what was sold and laid it at the apostles' feet. And it was distributed to each one as, as any had need. Thus, Joseph, who was also called by the apostles Barnabas, which means son of encouragement, a Levite, a native of Cyprus, he sold a field that belonged to him, and he brought the money, and he laid it at the apostles' feet. So here we get introduced to this man whose actual name, by the way, is not Barnabas. His real name is Joseph, or Yusuf, is Joseph, and his nickname is Barnabas. So his name is Joseph, and the disciples nickname him Barnabas, which means son of encouragement. And this man gets highlighted to us as a son of encouragement who was generous in his faith, and who gave what belonged to him, and he gave it as the Lord required into the local church and for the needs of the people. And, um, and so here's this man, the son of encouragement. And I know you might have heard, I'm not sure if you've ever heard a message on Barnabas before, but many of us, he's one of our favorite characters for good reason, because he's a son of encouragement. Now, let me start and just go back. What does it mean for us to encourage? What does the word encouragement mean, to encourage? What does it mean? And the word encouragement essentially means to bring hope and to bring courage to someone in need. It, it essentially means to bring comfort, that's what the other word is, comfort or courage to someone, to those in need. And you know, what's interesting with the word encouragement, um, it's, there's a Greek word, I actually hate using Greek words, by the way, and I know you get different preachers that like to mention Greek words, like, let me tell you this Greek word, you know, this is the Greek word for love, agapeo, or agape, you know, or uh, logos for word, and it sounds clever, but actually, often we we don't know Greek, it's like, yeah, that sounds really spiritual. But I am going to share the Greek word with you this morning, because I actually have studied a bit of Greek as well. But why it's helpful is because you see the way it ties up. And the Greek word for the word encouragement is a word um, paraklesis, which means to come alongside. And one thing that you notice with comfort or encouragement, that if, if we are called to be encouragers or comforters, that's what the word means, to comfort or breathe courage into someone, breathe comfort into someone, it's actually linked to the ministry of the Holy Spirit. And we know that in the book of Acts, the Holy Spirit is called the parakletos, the one that comes alongside and the one that comforts or encourages. And throughout um, John chapter 14 
and John chapter 15, it mentions that the person of the Holy Spirit is the helper or the comforter. He's actually the encourager. And so every time you and I, as we learn how to encourage one another, we are lining up with the Holy Spirit, and you are doing the ministry of the Holy Spirit. I remember one time when I was um, younger, I was about 23, 24 years old. We actually were in Cape Town at that point, about 25. I'd been married for about two years, and I was in a, in a space where for some reason I was just struggling with disillusionment, I was battling with discouragement, and I just felt worthless. I just felt like, Lord, no matter what I'm doing, it's a bit like those lies that, we, that Skulk or someone mentioned in the worship, that we can believe the lie, and I just felt worthless. I just felt like, Lord, I just feel like, I don't know where I'm going. You know, I'm serving you, but it, I was just feeling disillusioned. And we went to a leaders meeting one night, and <clears throat> at this leaders meeting, we had a guest, uh, an apostolic gift, a guy from a Durban come down, his name was Rory, and he came down to minister to our leaders, and that night, as he spoke to our leaders and just spoke to them, I remember sitting in the room, and I remember specifically sitting, we actually met at someone's home, it was a big home, and I remember sitting in the corner so that I didn't want to be front and center, because I just wasn't feeling very spiritual, I was just battling with discouragement, and I remember sitting in the corner, just that no one would kind of notice me. And that night, this guy Rory, he, he stopped what he was doing in the middle of his preach, and he looked at me, and he, and he pointed me out, about 40 people in the room, and he said, I just want to say that, Mike, your name is, you knew my name, Mike, you're a good man. I just want to say you're a good man. I was like, okay, that's a bit weird. <laughs> and then he carried on again, and he carried on speaking. And then towards the end of the evening again, he like singled me out, and he said, Mike, you're a good man. You're a, I just want to say you're a good man. And, you know, that was the ministry of the Holy Spirit. Here was a man that drew alongside and brought comfort when I was feeling discouraged. And just by saying those words, it's for, it just built faith in me. It's saying, Lord, you haven't forgotten me. You still love me. Even though I should know that, like sometimes we need that in our lives. And you know, the fight against sin, because we're in a war in many ways. We live in this world, but we're not of the world. And while we war in this world, you and I need encouragement. You and I need the words spoken over our lives because if we don't do that, because not only do we have a fight without, we've also got a fight within. We've got the flesh and, and discouragement that sets in, and we, so we need the ministry of encouragement. And the Holy Spirit, what He does is He works through, like, like that friend of mine, Rory, who said to me, Mike, you're a good man. We need one another to come alongside each other like the Holy Spirit does, as the Spirit is the one that is our helper and comforter, we come alongside one another. We do the ministry of the Holy Spirit, and we bring comfort and encouragement, and we breathe hope, just like the Holy Spirit does. Um, we are the ones that are doing the work of encouragement. And what we, what we learn from a guy like Barnabas in Acts 11, and I'd, I'd like to turn to the specific story in Acts 11, with Barnabas. <clears throat> and, um, and so, and I'm going to unpack for us this, uh, this story, which is one of my favorite portions in the book of Acts. It's Acts 11, and I'm just going to read from verse 23. And in the section in verse 23, um, Barnabas, again, the son of encouragement, he gets sent to a church, this new church in Antioch. And so at that point, you know, all the Christians 
had gotten saved in Jerusalem. That's where the Holy Spirit had been poured out. Pentecost had happened. And now, as Christians are scattered, they get persecuted, and they're traveling all over the Roman Empire. They start a church in Antioch. We don't know who starts it, by the way. There's no super apostle. There's no man of God or woman of God that we hear about. It's nameless, faceless people who start this church in Antioch. And so they go to this, this city of Antioch, and all of a sudden, this church springs up. And these people start worshiping God, and the news of it spreads to Jerusalem, and the people, the apostles in Jerusalem, hear about what God is doing in the city of Antioch. And they're like, God is doing something, let's go and, and, and send someone who can go and bring them the word of God and can teach them. Who do they send? They send Barnabas, the son of encouragement. And as they send Barnabas to Antioch, he goes to Antioch, the son of encouragement, and look what it says in verse 23, that as he goes to this new church full of brand new believers, where people are getting saved, and there's miracles, and there's the work of God, and I love what it says in verse 23, it says that when he, this is Barnabas, arrived and saw what the grace of God had done, he was glad, and he encouraged them all to remain true to the Lord with all their hearts. And so true to form, what does Barnabas do? He arrives, he sees what God is doing, and what does he do? He encourages them. He encourages them in the Lord. Now, there's a couple of things that I want to pick out from the story, and these are very simple, by the way. I mean, there's probably one thing you're going to walk away from this morning off the back of the message is, ah, God has called me to be an encourager because God is a God who encourages us. If that's all you walk away from, it's like, I've done a great job. And so as we look at this guy Barnabas, it says that he encouraged them, and I want us to stop there quickly. And so the first thing that he does is that when he, he comes to other believers, he again, he's true to form, he encourages them. And you know, I want us to stop there, that it doesn't just say that he encouraged them, full stop, and it stops there. It doesn't just stop there, but he encouraged them in a certain kind of way. So I firstly want to say this, that, you know, encouraging one another generally is a good thing. When we can just say, hey, you know what? You're awesome. Because encouragement is often using our words. You're awesome. You know, well done. Or don't give up. You know, sometimes we can give good, basic, general advice. I know if you're a parent, you probably do that quite a lot to your kids. Like, you know, work hard. <laughs> you know, you're a good boy. I love you. You know, I love you, my boy. Those are good, good general counsel and advice. And sometimes even basic encouragement is something we don't hear enough of. And sometimes it's just good to say, you know, you're awesome, man. But if that's all we do, if all we ever do is just give general advice to say, you know, you're awesome, you're such a good guy, you're such an amazing person, I love you so much, that's wonderful, but it, that's actually not what Christian encouragement is about. You know, and we've got to be careful that because we're in a, um, a world that teaches us to value self-esteem, that we just want to build people up. But if we just build people up with good advice and general words of encouragement, that ultimately doesn't grow you in your Christian faith. Um, you know, otherwise what we'll do is, you know, we can almost imagine Jesus like going around. I saw a meme once of Jesus. He had this big smile on his face. And Jesus didn't do this. But Jesus would walk around and just go, you're awesome. You're awesome. You're awesome. You know, imagine Jesus doing that, where he was just nice to everyone. And, you know, Jesus wasn't the kind of encourager that was just simply nice. 
that simply just spoke words of encouragement to, and, and even over the Pharisees. You know, can you imagine Jesus going to the Pharisees, guys, I know you're doing your best. You're awesome. Jesus didn't do that to the Pharisees. Jesus didn't go to the religious leaders and encourage them. There's certain times where Jesus was not always nice. So having a spirit of encouragement sometimes means speaking our words, but in a way that's going to build people up in a certain way. I'll get to that now. And, and so what Barnabas does <clears throat> is he doesn't just encourage them generally. He says this, that he encouraged them, and here's the part, to remain true to the Lord with all their hearts. You see, true encouragement, like Christian encouragement, is drawing alongside people as a ministry of the Holy Spirit and saying to them, I'm going to help you to remain faithful to the Lord. And I'm going to come and encourage you in God. So I don't just want you to feel good about yourself. And that's not a bad thing again. I'm, you know, I think we need that sometimes. But true encouragement in the Lord means that you and I, that God will use you to actually build someone up in their faith so that they can be more in love with the Lord, they can be more hating sin. We'll look at a scripture that deals with that now um, in, in the sense. And I love what the ESV says. The NIV says that he encouraged them to remain true to the Lord with all of their hearts. And the ESV says to remain faithful to the Lord with steadfast purpose. And you know, Ultimately, all encouragement is done so that, to help you and I to be faithful in this world to Jesus, because that's, that's what it's about. It's not about how successful we are and the careers we have and how successful our marriages are. Those are good things. But at the end of the day, the only thing that counts is that you and I have to stand and give an account to the Lord where we need to hear the words, well done, good and faithful servant. That at the end of the day, what God is looking for, that the measure of success for your life and my life, that the measure in a sense of spiritual, what measures our lives is this thing, faithfulness to the Lord. Faithful to the Lord. That you've been faithful, that you didn't just start well, because, you know, we live in a world where many people start the Christian life well. Praise God, you started well. But God is looking for those with faith at the end that don't just start well, but who end well. God is looking for faithfulness. And the way that we grow in faithfulness and not to give up and to flourish on the journey and to get stronger and more like Jesus is through encouragement. And encouragement fuels your faithfulness. It fuels you to become faithful and to remain faithful in the Lord, to remain in Him. And you know, in the Christian life, God doesn't hand out prizes at the halfway line. You know, it's not that we run this race and then, you know, how many of you watched the, the Comrades Marathon? Um, you know, we watch the Comrades and there's the halfway point, which is, um, oh, what's that famous place? Polly, is it? Polly Shorts, it's right? It's the halfway line around there, isn't it? Almost, is it almost at the end? Okay, got that wrong. There's... There's a place at the halfway line where, but they're actually on TV when you watch the Comrades Marathon, and uh, we used to watch it for years. We haven't actually, I think they haven't even run it during COVID at the moment. But when you run the Comrades, there's a very famous, well, there's a, there's a big banner. And over the banner, it says halfway point. And people stand at halfway and they cheer you on. 
But people that run the Comrades know that that's just the halfway point. I don't think I've ever seen a top athlete in the Comrades get to the halfway point and go, I've reached the halfway point, praise God, you know, yeah, I'm at the halfway point. And then they get down on their knees and they're like, okay, I'm done now. Whew. You know, that was my best time ever for halfway. No one does that because they know that halfway, it's fueling them on. No one gets a medal for finishing the best time at halftime or at halfway. You get the medal for finishing the race. And in the Christian journey, it's like there's this race of the ups and the downs and the disillusionment and the discouragement and the victories and the successes. But through it all, God is looking for people where Jesus said, when I come back again, will I find faith on the earth? That it's those who endure to the end, Jesus says in Matthew 24, that will be saved. And what I love about this heart of encouragement with the way that Barnabas encourages these believers. He says, I want to encourage you to remain faithful to the Lord. Faithful to the Lord. And that's what the beauty of local church is all about, isn't it? That we're family and that by coming together, it fuels us to actually run well for the Lord. That when you are feeling discouraged, even this morning, I mean, how many of you came in, you don't have to tell me, but maybe some of you came in feeling a bit flat or you came in feeling a bit disillusioned or discouraged, and even by singing together and worshiping together, there's a sense already of like, I'm ready to run again. I'm ready to run again. I pity the person that calls themselves a follower of Jesus that is unable, that does not meet with the people of God. How do you ever run effectively for the Lord? How do you follow him? You can't. God has designed us together to encourage one another, and fuels us to be faithful to the Lord with all of our hearts. And, you know, that's the beauty of Christian friendship. Um, as, a, as a young Christian, I got saved. I was very fortunate that my, I'd, I had a friendship circle around me of three other young men. I was about 18 years old when I got saved. And at that time where I got saved, these three friends of mine basically got saved at a very similar time. The one... His name was Brett. He had this flaming red hair and freckles. And this guy was like, he was zealous, man. He was like, he just, he had energy like you couldn't believe. And he got saved about six months before I did. He was the reason I got saved. Then I had my other friend whose name was called Adrian. Very spiritual guy. Um, he was, in fact, before, because we would talk about the Bible all the time, Adrian would go, you know, you guys are so spiritual. I need to make sure I spend time with the Lord for an hour before I can spend time with you guys. And so he's like, shoot, I've got to read my Bible before I spend time with you. There was this like, we just love one another. We love to talk about Scripture. We love to talk about God. We, we sharpen one another. Then I had my other friend, whose name was Kevin. And the four of us, we, we sharpen one another. We spoke into each other's lives. That when we got together, we, sure, we had fun. We often would, you know, we loved life. We loved sport. We loved those things. But the main thing that drew us together was a passion for Jesus. And what we would do is, as young men, we would be sharing, this is what God has spoken to me about today. Look what the Lord revealed to me when I was reading Scripture. And like, oh yeah, I felt this too. And, and we just sharpen one another. And I remember, as a young believer, it fueled a sense of a, a, a persevering faithfulness to run hard for God. Because I had friends that I could see, we sharpen one another. 
And I know the beauty of church as well is we're, we're with people that we can keep each other sharp because we can see what God is doing in each other's lives. And I remember the one incident is um, we were at the, specifically at Adrian's house, and we are talking about the Bible. We were just like talking about Scripture. And, this, and our friend Brett, my red-headed friend, remember he, the Bible was on the, on the, one of the Bibles was sitting on the dining room table, not the, the lounge room table. And I remember he ran, he jumped up from the couch, he ran, he picked up his Bible, and he said, I love the Bible! And he took it, and he held it like this, and he went, ah! And he jumped back on the couch. And I remember then Adrian was like, I also love the Bible! And he jumped on, on, on Brett, and then Kevin jumped on Brett. We're like, we all love the Bible! It was like the most bizarre time, man. It was awesome. And I, I just remember that instance so clearly, because, I mean, all he did was he took up his Bible, and he hugged it, and he says, I love my Bible! And it was just like, we were just gung-ho for the Lord. I thank God for those formative years that my discipleship was through friendship. It was through brothers like Barnabas's, an Adrian, a Kevin, a Brett, that spurred me on in my faith and made me to be the man that I am today. Who are the Barnabas's in your life? Who are the people that are around you that you are intentionally making time for that are going to sharpen you in Jesus. You see, if you're going to spend time with a Judas, well, don't, don't be surprised that you're going to be lukewarm in your faith. Greedy for money. <laughs> if you're going to be spending time with a Jezebel, don't be surprised if you're going to be cynical towards the church and you're not going to, you're not going to love the bride of Christ. But if you're spending time with the Barnabas, ha, or a Baranabia. <laughs> Praise God. Then you sharpen one another. And friends, the way of discipleship in the kingdom, the way of fighting sin in the kingdom is by being that kind of person. And you say, but Mike, I, you know, I want that, man. I want that. You be the Barnabas. You be the son or the daughter of encouragement. And you'll be surprised at what God does to shape us. Let's, let me end with the scripture in Hebrews 3, verse 12 to 13. And in Hebrews 3, I love this. This is the word encourage one another gets used here. By the way, it obviously gets used in a lot of places in the New Testament. Um, the, the classic one is in Hebrews 10, verse 25. It says, but encourage one another daily. Um, and it speaks about that, not, um, you know, all the more so as the day is approaching. Stir up one another for love and good works, verse 24 says. There's a lot of scriptures in the New Testament that speaks about the need to encourage one another. But I love this scripture because what it does, it links encouragement with holiness. And it links encouragement with sanctification, the growing in our faith in the Lord. Look what it says in Hebrews 3.12. See to it, brothers and sisters, from the NIV, that none of you has a sinful, unbelieving heart that turn away, that turns away from the living God. Now, we can all say amen to that, right? We know that unbelief is a terrible sin because unbelief is the hardening of our hearts towards God. Terrible thing. And he says, but see to it, guard yourself from unbelief. And then what he does is he gives us how we can guard ourselves from unbelief, a hard heart. But encourage one another daily as long as it's called today. Don't you love that? So that none of you may be hardened 
by sin's deceitfulness. And here it gives us the key that if you want to keep a soft heart, encourage one another. So encouragement is not just this general principle of like, you're awesome, I'm awesome, hey, you know, you're such a good guy or good girl. That's, that's just general good advice. And maybe, again, some of you just need a hug and you need to be told, you're awesome. <laughs> but if that's where it stops, that's not Christian encouragement. Encouragement in the faith is an encouragement that would lead you to have a soft heart, to lead you, to guard you from the deceitfulness of sin. Where someone can ask you the hard questions, and maybe you can ask someone the hard questions, saying things like this. How is your thought life? How are you doing in that area? Are you at the moment, have you been struggling with lust? When last did you have someone ask you that question? Or a friend that loves you so much that says, you know, how's your prayer life? Now that's the nice one because like, oh, okay, okay, I can tell about my prayer life. Or, you know, it's not that great, pray for me. But what if you've got a friend who asks you, well, tell me about your giving. Are you tithing faithfully into the church? <gasps> okay, don't ask me that. Or even another one, so how's your parenting? Are you parent, how's you, how are you doing as a parent? Or how are you doing as a husband? How are you doing as a wife? And those kind of questions, those is how we encourage one another. And as we open up, as we share, as we sharpen one another, we guard our hearts against the deceitfulness of sin as we look for it in the Lord. So, do you know that encouragement is a spiritual gift? Now, I want to end this with two scriptures. Let's look at Romans 12, verse 5 to 8. It's, it's a grace given by God. But I want to say it's something that everyone should be walking in, not just a, a, a select few who seem to be encouragers. Romans 12, verse 5 to 8, it says in verse 5, So in Christ, we though many form one body, and each member belongs to all the others. Thank God for that, right? Some of you might be the, the finger, the pinky. Some of you are the armpit. We need the armpit. <laughs> some of you are the toe. Some of you are the ear. Some of you are the mouth. We need one another, right? Verse 6, we have different gifts, Look what it says, according to the grace that's given each one of us. And it mentions these different grace gifts. If your gift is prophesying, then prophesy according with your faith. Now, someone, some say, oh, okay, but prophecy is only for a select few. Your gift is prophecy. Prophecy is what Anil does. Prophecy is what Chloe does. You know, they're the prophets in the house. Skulk is a prophet. I, that's on my gift. But that's where you're wrong. And although there are some graced with it, 1 Corinthians 14 says, you must eagerly desire the gift of prophecy. And so although God seems to portion certain graces, some people will have more of it than you, but it doesn't mean that you can't walk in it and desire it. And it carries on, it says, prophecy in verse 7, if it is serving, then serve. Another one, actually we all call to serve, but there's some people that seem to have a grace to serve in a way that when they serve, there's something of the beauty of Jesus that comes through. Do you know anyone in this congregation that serves like that? Like we're all called to serve, right? We're all servants. But there's some that when they serve, it's just beautiful. I could point some out, but then probably rob them of the gift, of their reward. <laughs> if it is teaching, then teach. Verse 8, and if it is to encourage, then give encouragement. It's a grace gift 
and it's something fueled by the Holy Spirit. And I want to end with this to say this, that friends, the ministry of an encourager, it's a ministry of the Spirit, all right? Every time you encourage, you draw alongside someone, you're doing the ministry of the Spirit, paraclesis, you, you're comforting and you're doing the work of the comforter. And even don't be surprised by even a little word you say, what God would do with that little word. Like my friend that said to me uh, when I was at the leaders meeting, he just said to me, you're a good man. You are a good man. Five words. And he said that twice. And I, today I remember that. And it, it, it built faith into my soul. Don't neglect the little things of what it does within us as a church. And I want to end with a scripture. With a scripture in Romans chapter 5, and I want to end with this, Romans 5, 5. And it says this, because if it's of the Spirit, if the Spirit is the comforter, if the Spirit of God is the encourager, I love verse 5, it says this, May the God of endurance and encouragement grant you to live in such harmony with one another in accord with Jesus, with Christ Jesus. And here it says that ultimately we serve a God of encouragement. God is a God who encourages us. He's the one that ultimately in Jesus says to you, you're awesome. Not just that, that can sound a bit glib. You're beloved. That in Jesus, when the Father looks at you, do you know that the Father encourages you? And before we receive encouragement from people or walk in encouragement from people, you have to believe by faith that when we come to Jesus and when we turn and we follow him and we turn away from our old lives and we follow Jesus, that's what a Christian is, it's a follower that really follows it's not just someone who believes, but it's a kind of belief that causes you to follow him. But when we follow him, we must believe that when the Father looks at you, that the Father says over you in Jesus, you're loved, you're accepted, you're forgiven, you're right in my sight, I'm enthusiastic about you. And the encouragement ultimately comes from the Father in heaven through his son Jesus over our lives. And the only reason we can encourage one another is because we've been encouraged in Jesus. Isn't that good news? Do you believe that today? Do you believe that you are loved? Say with me, I am loved. I am accepted. I am beloved. So turn to the person next to you, say, you are loved. You are forgiven. You are righteous because of the sacrifice of Jesus and because we believe it and because we follow him. Amen? Do you all just feel good inside right now? Yeah, I feel so nice inside. That is encouragement right there. <laughs> so let's pray together. I'm going to end there. And I'd like to pray for us. And um, then I'll hand back over to Skulk. Okay, let's pray. Father, praise you, Lord. Lord, we thank you this morning that you are the God of all endurance and the God of all encouragement. Lord, we thank you this morning that the church is meant to be a place of edification and up, upbuilding and encouragement in the faith. Lord, that as we prophesy, as we pray, as we do life together, that we can encourage one another. 
And Lord, I know that there's people here who might even feel like, but Lord, how can I be an encourager? Even where you are right now, would you resolve in your heart that you make a resolve right now where you are to say, Lord, I'm going to resolve to be an encourager. That you would in your, make a decision right now in your heart to say, Lord, I'm going to choose not to break others down, not to be suspicious of others, not to be critical of others. I'm going to choose to be a Barnabas. I'm going to choose to learn how to help people be faithful in the Lord, even as you want me to be faithful in the Lord. Would you do that now? Let's take a moment. Come, Lord Jesus. Come, Lord God. Come, Lord God. But maybe you are here, just with every, every eye closed. I want to give an opportunity quickly. Maybe you know that you're not following Jesus. And you are not, you're not trusting in him. The Bible says that in order to, to be saved and to have our sins forgiven, we have to be following him and making the Jesus the Lord of our lives, Lord of our lives.